Welcome to Empire Building, the podcast where we talk about building big businesses and even bigger lives. I'm your co-host, Sarah Reynolds. I'm Seychelle Van Poole. I'm Via Williams. And I'm Wendy Papazan. Here's the sobering truth. One in three Americans has saved nothing for retirement. And 56% of Americans have saved less than $10,000. Okay, you're That's kind of crazy. a Debbie Downer. I know. Sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. Yeah, yeah. Well, the problem is, is that most of us want it all and we want it all right now. And we're not right. willing to give up anything, none of the small pleasures today to have whatever we want in the future. So today we're going to be discussing things that every millionaire knows, but the rest of us really don't have a clue about it. The title of our episode today is The Six Habits You Need to Become a Millionaire. Mm, I love that. Yep. We're going to be discussing Mm -hmm. Say No to Say Yes, how to pay your investment fund first. We're going to talk about focusing on net worth versus income. We're going to talk about learning the rules of money. We're going to talk about learning how to leverage your mind, your money and time. And the last one is, is we're going to learn how to surround yourself with success. And I'm just going to start the discussion off, ladies, by asking you, uh, I'm just curious, what's your definition of wealth? I'll go first if you want. Um, So ours is when our... So our, our mission in life, right, is to become happier, healthier, and wealthier through our businesses. And so wealth has been a big focus of something that we really work on personally, but also with our team members. And so when I think about the broad term for us, it's when our passive income from our investments funds our perfect life. But more specifically, Wendy, it's really when we're able to live off of 4% of our total net worth each year comfortably. That's really the number that we're gunning towards. Great. Yeah. How we're going to talk about the that? 4% rule. 4%. If you, I mean, if you look at the average of the stock market, there's a there's a bunch of like books that talk about that number, somewhere between four and six percent. But um, when you look at the average returns of the stock market, right, that's something that if you look at sort of the average over the last you know seventy eighty years, that the average return on the stock market is somewhere around five to eight percent. So for me, I want to be recession proof and be able to live comfortably between our real estate stock, Roth, all of those things underneath whatever the average of the stock market would produce. Well, and I think you're also taking into account uh, inflation, Seychelles. We are. Probably yes. with the yep. four. Yeah. We are too. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, that's awesome. George and I, before we got married, we had a conversation about this. And uh, one of the things that we sort of concluded is we never, for us, wealth is being in a position to basically not have to say no in terms mm. of uh, taking care of our parents, uh, yep. taking care of, of course, our children um, and those around us. And then at the same time, being able to live the life that we have by design mm-hmm. where our businesses and passive income is actually what's funding it. So that to me, right. that, to me is wealth. I love that. Well, and I love that you're also looking at the family aspect of that because I think if you if you look at all four of us here on the podcast, we all have an element of family that play into part of our net worth strategy, whether it's kids or whether it's parents or siblings. And so, you know, part of funding that perfect life is is not just you. Oftentimes it's it's you plus an extension usually of a a couple of other people. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think I I don't think we always know that that's going to be the case. Yeah. You know, I know for me Um, I know for me, you know, my dad was perfectly fine and then he got diagnosed with larynx cancer 
and mm-hmm. stage four larynx cancer. And thankfully he survived. And yet the the radiation to his neck and kind of spinal mm-hmm. area put him in a wheelchair. Yeah. yeah. So that just changed where he, you know, he was, he yeah. was employed and working yeah. and um, you know, we had to buy a new house for him because it wasn't all at one level. So, mm-hmm. you know, your life can change in a minute. And yeah. if you don't have the resources to help the people around you, you know, the, you know, I, I feel like if God gives you the ability to make money, you should make money. Yes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, not for we, you, but but for the people that you can help. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that, Wendy. So well said. We, uh, it's no surprise to you guys probably that that I have um, kind of a five stages that I've defined for us for wealth. You know, um, I have a survival, stability, secure, thrive, and a freedom. And I have taken the time to think a lot about this topic, as you guys know, it's been a uh, my personal journey the last few years. And I have definitions, but but I think the bottom line for us is that wealth is being able to do what we want, when we want, and with who we want. And so I do have a specific net worth goal um, that for me defines the ultimate stage of that five stages definition, which is freedom. You know, for me, freedom, and, and I've calculated that but kind of the similar way that you guys have, where I just know what, what we want our lifestyle to look like and all the things that we want to do. And so mm-hmm. I've just kind of reverse engineered that and, and backed it out. And, and I've, I've, I've attached a net worth goal to that. I love, I love that. that. Well, and you know, can I just tell you, I'm so proud of you and your, your financial journey. Mm-hmm. You know, I can remember actually we were on a retreat a couple years ago, three years ago, and um, I don't think it was the retreat that was the wake up call, but it was pretty obvious that you just didn't really want to talk about your finances, mm-hmm. probably because you, yeah, because yeah, right, you were, you know, not really you weren't working on them. And I'm just, I'm really proud of you. Thank you. I mean, it's, you know, the example I give people is it's like, you know, when you've you've creeped up and you've gained weight and you Mm -hmm. don't want to get on the scale because you Mm -hmm. you don't want to see the weight. Like you just, you don't want to face it. You're like, you know, actually, maybe I can go on a diet for a while and then get on the scale and it won't be so shocking. Like you don't want to face the music, but you actually need need to step on that scale so that you have a measurable thing. You know, you have to have a baseline so that if, you know, you know you're losing weight, right? And, and, and so, I mean, sitting down and actually assessing your net worth, if you're anything like me and it's kind of a fearful thing for you to do, it's like undressing at the doctor's office. You know, it is really, uh, it's really uh, scary. I think it's really scary. That's such a yeah, powerful no, first step, right? To anything. Yeah, it is right? a first step. So I'm, acknowledgement. That's exactly right. And I appreciate your vulnerability because I think a lot of people are getting to go on the journey with you. And I am the complete weirdo on the opposite end of the spectrum <laughs> who like loves this topic, loves talking about it, craves it, wants to learn more about it and have always been like... My parents never talked about this topic, but I think giving being given the gift of my dad getting Parkinson's when I was really young, I knew that I had to fund not just me, but them at the age of 18. Like I knew that that was just going to have to be part of my journey. And so I have been on such a, you know, a journey for the last almost 20 years of, I have to figure this out. I'm not by any means the perfect expert on it, but I have to figure this out because I have no other... There's like, there, there's this other piece that I, I am responsible for at 18 that I got to figure out. Mm-hmm. So I'm yeah. like, you and I, it's fun that we're like kind of converging yeah. in the middle now because I'm the weirdo that's always been like, tell me about <laughs> Now I was like, uh, I just want well, to enjoy my margarita, Seychelles, and my tacos. <laughs> yeah, and I think, you know, because of the six habits that we're going to talk about today, and I think we should launch into the 4% rule. Uh, yes. But because of the six habits that we're going to talk about today, I've grown to enjoy it, Seychelles. Like now yeah. I do enjoy it. And I, because I see I'm measuring it now and I face the music, the hard parts over and it, you know, hopefully it 
it only goes up from there, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. So the the, the yeah. more you do uncomfortable things, the easier yeah. they get. That's right. Yeah. And I love that we're converging in the middle on that. Yeah. It's so fun. Yeah. yeah. And so before we jump guys, into them, oh, hold on, ahead. hold on, before we yeah. jump into them, <laughs> Wendy, Wendy, Wendy did share her definition. And I think, yeah. I think her definition is, is a good one. Um, yeah. And so I would love Wendy for you to share with all, our audience what your definition is of wealth. Sure. Yeah. Well, I think it's wealthy is when your passive income exceeds the money you need to fund your life by design. Love it. Super simple. Yeah. yeah. And you can figure out... I mean, first of all, you need to figure out what your life by design looks like. That's mm-hmm. the hard part. But then there are a couple of frameworks, Mia's favorite word, <laughs> for figuring out really how much money you'll need in retirement. And then the second one we're going to talk about is how much money you can withdraw annually once you're retired without cutting into your investment principal. So the first one is the multiply by 25 rule. And this is pretty pretty simple. This just estimates estimates how much money you'll need in retirement by multiplying your desired annual income by 25. So if you want to if you want to live off $100,000, let's say, you multiply that by 25, right? And yeah. what do you, what do you get? You get like 2.5 million, 5. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Or if you think it's $40,000, you multiply that by 25, it's 1 million. Um, and then this rule of thumb assumes you'll be to generate an annualized return of 4% per year. Per year. Yeah. And this is really mainly for the stock market. This doesn't necessarily include passive income from, from rental estate. properties yeah. or things like that. But it, it's a starting point for a lot of people because I think a lot of people think like, I don't even know where to start. You know, I don't even know mm-hmm. how to figure this out. Um, so that's the multiply by 25 rule. So just take a second and then just realize those are kind of the assets that you need. And then and then the 4% rule is actually what Seychelles was talking about. Mm-hmm. Which is actually funny because I wrote my definition before I was able to yeah. read the rest yeah. of it. So I was like, oh, yeah. perfect. <laughs> yeah. Are you saying you didn't, re- you didn't read the script before you put your definition in there? <laughs> no, I, that's actually true yeah. because you asked the question. So I wanted to answer yeah. it honestly. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, and so like what Seychelles was saying is we're assuming 3% inflation, mm-hmm. right? So, and then we're assuming that the stock market does what it's always done, which it gives us probably annualized 8% return. Yep. Right. So that's kind of, that's what where the 4% comes from. So if we're assuming 8 to 10% and we're being conservative, mm-hmm. right? We can take 4% of our nest egg every year Plus inflation, that's the 3%. Right. And you right? should still and be. Yeah. You should still, you should be able to, to keep to keep your keep your you know your nut there, basically. So hopefully that makes sense. Yeah. So those are the two frameworks to figure out what you want. But we're really really here to talk about habits, right? So mm-hmm. habits are one of my favorite things to talk about, I guess. So why um, is that? I don't know. It's like it's my husband. <laughs> it's his fault. I, I never used to be like this. I, always no. fault. I think I used to be always more fun. Fault. You guys are a great team, though. You make the yeah. habits fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why yeah. did we start adulting, right? Like, when did it start fun? The 4% rule. Yay, habits. <laughs> <laughs> well, personally, the financial freedom is what's fun to me. Right. And the, um, the, the result kind of ability. Ability to do what you want and then also not to have the stress and worry about money. It's yeah. a great feeling. Yeah. It's a really absolutely. good feeling. Yeah. So we're going to talk about habits. I love this quote by FM Alexander. He says, people do not decide their futures. They decide their habits and their habits, habits decide just... their future. Right. Yeah. So we're talking yes. about installing some good habits in your life. And I'll just start out by sharing a story with you guys, which is about 18 years ago, Jay and I started to track our net worth. 
Um, Jay had like a lightning moment, thanks to Mo Anderson, who was the then president of his company. And he came home and he said, we need to figure out what our net worth is. And of course, I said, What's, what does that mean? And uh, he said, net worth is everything you own minus everything you owe or all your debt. And so we added up everything that we owed, owned, including an old green Toyota Tercel that we shared. <laughs> <laughs> that was a big part of our net worth back then. <laughs> That's awesome. And uh, we had a little like 401k or something. And then we subtracted everything we owed because I had some school debt. And we came up with a number of $2,200. And honestly, a lot of people, a lot of you guys listening, that's probably what your net worth is going to be. It's going to mm-hmm. be in the thousands. Yeah, I see a lot of the new, the new people on my team when we help them start tracking their net worth. And so what I, what I love is... is in four years, you know, earning less than $100,000 together, that was our joint income. We really laid the foundation for becoming a millionaire. Mm-hmm. And these habits are the foundation. And then, so then seven and a half years from when we first figured out our net worth, we actually did become a, 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 net, mil, a net millionaire. So basically, starting at making, 2200. Starting yeah. at twenty two hundred, yeah. less than seven years, and then and a lot of those years, actually, like I had, I didn't have a job. You know, I was a stay at home mom yeah. during some of those years. So in two thousand and two is really when we started tracking. Two thousand and four is when I had my son and I quit my job, and so we were making way less. We were probably making about fifty thousand dollars a year, and we we set we laid the foundation to go from being twenty two hundred dollars to a millionaire in about seven years. So. That's amazing. And that's, I want our listeners to really hear that because in terms of it does, wherever you're starting, it, it, you know, start, meaning track it, know what mm-hmm. it is, like what Bia said, step on the scale, right? Step on the net worth, <laughs> net worth scale, see where you're starting at, start tracking it. And I mean, the Papazans went from 2,200 to a million in seven years, which is remarkable. And so wherever mm-hmm. you're starting at, start tracking it and have, have a plan and start building uh, these habits. Yeah, and I, I do want to um, speak personally to those of you who who like uh, the Williams household, which is me, went through the downturn back in kind of 2000, depending on when it happened in your area. But here it was 2008 to 10 was the rough part of it. You know, our story, Wendy, is that we almost lost our house. So we went from, I wasn't tracking, but a, probably approximately a seven-figure net worth knowing what I know now and to almost losing our house and worked a lot of years to build up from that. That. And and I remember part of the the um, the avoidance right of that first time that we that we looked at our net worth was was shame because I I really made a lot of really great income uh, during the period leading up to that really really good and um, I was a top real estate agent in my area at the time and. And I was really ashamed that we didn't use any of that income to buy assets. You know, I, I shouldn't say that. We had a house and everything, but, but we really didn't use it well. And so when I first uh, started tracking my net worth two years ago, it, it had a negative number in front of it. So your 2200 sounds uh, sounds awfully good to me for a first mm-hmm. go because it, it was, was negative. Yeah, yeah. it was. I think well, for most people, it is negative. Yeah, I would say that's absolutely normal. And... You know, I'm hearing I'm hearing two limiting beliefs that people might have around building net worth. The first one that I hear, Wendy, you you made a great comment on, which is you have to have two incomes in order to build wealth, which just is isn't true. There's there's so many ways, and we're going to go over the habits in which you can do that, even if you have a single income in your household to be able to do that. And the second one that I'm hearing is, and I hear this a lot when we talk to clients or when we're teaching, is 
I went through the downturn and I don't want that whatever investment that they had, I don't want to be in that position again where I feel the pain that I felt during the downturn or I saw my parents lose a lot of money, assets, jobs, etc. So I don't want to do what they did and I I'm not going to I'm not going to build what they built because I don't want to lose it all. And so I really appreciate that we're we're moving through these habits because wherever you are, you are in control of your destiny and you don't have to rely on somebody else's circumstance or somebody else's income in order to build the wealth that you want to build. Yep. So the first habit is really say no to say yes, which is it sounds simple. You got to learn to live on less than you make, you know. And and really we're talking about instead of buying things today, you're going to invest it for tomorrow. And this can be little things, you know, I can remember I went over to a, a relative of, of mine's house and who who they just don't have a lot of money. And one of the things I noticed is that they had a lot of of those little things that you see in the in the line at Target, like mm. magazines, expensive gum, you know, all of these little things that we that that are impulse items, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you buy the gum, it's like four dollars. You buy mm-hmm. a, a, an Us Weekly, it's a, it's five dollars, and you think nothing of it. But every time you're going to the store, you're adding $10, $15, $20 to your shopping bill, right? Yeah. And I thought, gosh, I never buy that stuff. Mm-hmm. I just don't. I never, ever, ever buy that stuff. And um, and so it's really just saying like no to all those things so that you can buy an investment property. Mm-hmm. You know, a guilty a guilty spend that I had on that was um, I used to I had like a period after Quinn was born that I had like two or three years where I would stop at Starbucks on the way into the office every morning, and we went back when I was itemizing for our taxes after a year two or three of it, and it was like thousands of dollars going to Starbucks. And I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. And so that was one that we cut out in a matter of three years. That was a down payment on an investment property. That was one like, it's embarrassing years. to say that, but that was totally, totally my guilty vice. Yeah, yeah. it's so true. Yeah. A tactical thing that has helped me with this is doing as much on, as much shopping online, even grocery shopping and things like that, yes. because that has really helped me not have impulse because you were dealing with the list. So that's one yeah, tactical that, thing that yeah. you can implement for that. Well, and I and I would actually I would actually argue that even though the little things are important, sometimes it's really the bigger ticket items that make the most difference. So about fifty percent of a typical American's budget is their car and their house. So you know if you feel like you can't save any money, well, why don't you sell your car? Mm-hmm. Right? Get a cheaper car mm-hmm. yeah. or move out of your house, right? Or if you're if you're renting an expensive place, move into a cheaper place and cut your rent in half. And all of a sudden you've maybe got a thousand bucks to save every month. Or get mm-hmm. roommates in your current house to cut yeah, down exactly. what your expenses yeah. are. Yep. 100%. Yep. All right. Habit number two is to pay your investment fund first. What do most of us do with the, with our with our money? Yeah. You know, we get a commission check or we get our check from our boss. And uh, we pay all of our bills. Yep. And then we look up and we say, well, anything I've left over, I'm going to put into my investing account. Yeah. I think one of the biggest habits we've changed as we have increased our net worth... And by the way, we are increasing our net worth. I, I yes. Just wanted to, you're doing yeah, a yeah, job. Story. Yeah. We are doing that. You're doing is, an awesome if, job. If, if you don't see the money, you won't spend it or get used to it. Mm-hmm. Most humans, I mean, certainly us, are... Are, we don't have the self-discipline to not spend it if we have it. Mm-hmm. So what I like about this habit and, and what what I've done is, is it goes straight into the investment fund and we don't see it. If we mm-hmm. see it, we will buy 
$1,500 Herman Miller Aeron shares, <laughs> which is what I did last week, by the way. And that's the problem. And so if you don't see it, you won't ever, that's it. You don't have it to spend. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't stress this habit enough. It, it, it probably should have been first. It's a habit. The money has to get allocated before it touches your account, till it touches your discretionary spending account. One thing when we were early on and didn't have like we were, you know, barely making anything right early in our careers was January, February, and March. We had a rule after Christmas was over, right? We'd pay off the Christmas bills for everybody's gifts. And then January, February, March, there was no extemporaneous spending at all. And every extra amount went to our Roth IRA, SEP IRA, or cash fund. And up until April 1st, literally there were no extra goodies we were like allowing ourselves to buy. And it just it paid it forward for the beginning of the year. And then we felt like, okay, now for the not that we go wild the rest of the year, but we felt like we did the big rock first of getting the investment piece over with. And then anything else we could add to it was great. And when you don't have a lot to like a lot of extra, that kind of helped us chunk it forward first. I, I love that. That's something uh, we do with giving too. So you can love you can that. apply yeah. this principle to anything that is you're passionate about. So if you're passionate like I am about giving mm-hmm. and tithing first, right? Mm-hmm. So doing tithing and investing first, and then you live off of the money that's after that. You never that's see right. the money. So yeah. that leads us into habit number three, uh, which is to really focus on your net worth, not income. And this has been a big thing for me personally um, because I was I was heavily focused on uh, my income and not even tracking net worth until a, a few years ago, sort of like Via, um, but focusing on the net worth and it honestly you're going to make different decisions when you're yeah. focusing on that number mm-hmm. versus income. So true. That's so right. True. Yep. Yep. One hundred percent. Yeah. What well, you measure income, will in- grow. Yeah, exactly. Well, and net, and net and net net worth is the true measure of wealth. Yes, it is. You know, if you think about the Forbes 500 richest people, they're not talking about the richest doctor or the richest realtor yeah. or the richest lawyer. It's people who own assets. You know, they own businesses, they own real estate, a lot of commercial real estate, and that's the true measure of your wealth. Because you know, the thing about income is. Um, especially income that's not passive is yeah. is if you something happens to you, yeah. no more no more money. No more money. Yeah. 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 That's right. No more money. You want your assets to outlive your income. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So habit number four is to learn the rules of money. Right. I don't know about you guys, but I didn't get a business education. Well, I think Sarah did actually. <laughs> Are you a business <laughs> Sarah's the only one. Yeah. Yeah. I did. Yes, I did. Yeah. She has the biggest business, so there you go. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it works. <laughs> yeah. Well. well, yeah, but I mean, I didn't really start learning about business until I I started my real estate business, yeah, and it was yeah. probably, you know, I started when I was thirty eight. So, and it wasn't like I started studying the business side of it right away. It was probably a few years in, you know, really. So it wasn't until 40. Yeah. Uh, but everybody has the opportunity to learn and grow every day. And it depends on how you, you know, what choices you're making. And yeah. if you want to learn about money, then you need to study money because money mm-hmm. has its own rules. So mm-hmm. where are the best places you guys have learned about money? Well, I mean, there's the Empire Building Podcast, of yes. course, which is one of my favorites. <laughs> yes, <laughs> mine too. <laughs> But both have had an impact. Yeah. Well, I love Set for Life. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. a it's a book by Scott Trench. It's a Bigger Pockets um, publication, and it's a really nice primer on wealth building. 
It just has, it kind of lays everything out. Everything's very simple. Um, it's just, I, I recommend it to people mm-hmm. all the time. It's just very, very easy and digestible as you're, if you're just starting out. Yeah, I think that's a yeah. great one. Another one I really like too is tax-free wealth. Mm-hmm. And when I was looking at first getting into real estate investing, both Rich Dad, Poor Dad and The Millionaire Real Estate Investor or Hold are all three good books around real estate investing and what that can do for your wealth. I love that. So habit number five, is learn how to leverage your money and time. This is a really great exercise to do. And essentially, what one of the best exercises you can do with this is learning what your dollar per hour is. Because if you can increase your dollar per hour and you multiply that times what the average person works, what, 2,000 hours a year is about what we figure out? So if you're trying to figure out your dollar per hour, what you're going to take is the amount of money you made last year. You're going to divide that by what the average person works, which is 2,000 hours. And that's going to give you your dollar per hour. And what you want to do is if you then know what your dollar per hour is and somebody's asking you to do something or you're looking at part of your job or part of your business that's not going to pay you what that dollar per hour is, you need to either figure out a system or a person that can do that for you so you can focus on more dollar productive activities that will drive your dollar per hour up, thus increasing your average income. Beautifully explained, Seychelle. That's awesome. No, seriously. Yeah. I know. Really it was good. perfect. Yeah, we should record that. Yeah. Oh, wait, we did. <laughs> <laughs> wait. It's, it's a great one, though. It was one when somebody told me that in a class. I was like, what? Yes. Like, I just had never thought yeah. about yes. it. And yes. I mean, even increasing your dollar per hour, right? Like $10 an hour, right? Well, $10 an hour times 2000 yeah, well, and then also telling people in your Big world deal. sometimes, right? Telling them mm-hmm. in your world, like, hey, this is my dollar per hour. They all of a sudden stop asking you certain things that they know are yeah. a little bit, not in a prideful way, right? Um, well, but no, just letting just, the people around you know. Is it worth that amount of money? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a whole different way question. of looking at time and, yeah. and money, I think. Mm-hmm. So let's move into habit number six, because this is a really important one. And, and habit number six, you guys, is surrounding yourself with success. So for so many years, me, and I know you guys, and a lot of people have been quoting Jim Rohn. And yes. Jim Rohn famously said, you, you, you're, you can predict your future by looking at the five people you spend the most time with. Recently, I read an article, and, and we'll post it in show notes. I'll find it. Uh, recently, I read an article that says that's actually wrong. And what I mean by that is, is that it is way more than that. What the article said is there's been a lot of recent research up to a few years ago that shows that it's not just your five people, it's their friends and their friends' friends. Mm -hmm. There's been extensive research and they did a lot of research on obesity of all things, where they started tracking friends of friends of friends and it goes way wider Mm. than the top five people you spend time with. This is the people in general and their worlds that you spend the most time with. This is so, so crucial, especially if this is a new habit for you, like it is for me over the last few years. You know, if you're not surrounding people that measure this, you're you, they're going to be measuring income and, and things, material possessions that yeah. they're buying and instant gratification yeah. and, and, and the so dopamine sense. and the rewards are going to be yeah. set in for yeah. that, right? Yeah. Well, imagine if you have a friend who's like, hey, let's go, let's go shopping. Like you have a shopping friend, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Or you have a friend who's like, you know what? That's that's just a waste of money. I don't want to go and, and spend money on a handbag, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and I mean, personally, I could be swayed either way. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you don't want to have too many friends mm-hmm. that are always bugging you to go buy expensive handbags, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, so 
This yeah, is one of the reasons you. why, like, in our late 20s and early 30s before uh, Quinny, um, we would throw more house parties than we would go out and meet people at bars or restaurants. And we would have people over and we'd all cook and like everybody bring something was because it, your bill at the end of the night was like nothing compared to what it was if you kept meeting people out at restaurants and bars. Okay, guys. Well, those are the six, uh, our six habits. Uh, and so just to, just to recap, uh, habit number one, uh, we learned uh, say no to say yes, right? So making sure that you are living on less than what you make. Uh, habit two is pay your investment fund first uh, before you ever see the money. Habit number three is focusing on your net worth and not your income. Habit four uh, was learning the rules of money. So as much as you can uh, learn about the rules of money, because most of us were not taught that uh, growing Mm -hmm. up. And then habit number five is learn how to leverage uh, your money and your time. And then habit number six, uh, surround yourself with success. Be very mindful of who you're surrounding yourself with. I build your lot. tribe. Yes, build yeah. your tribe. tribe. Around, build your tribe. Yep, about yeah. around building your net worth. Love this. Yes, so, love it. Great job, right. guys. Great, great session, guys. Thanks, we everybody. Y'all. Thanks for joining. Thanks for listening to Empire Building. If you like what you heard, join our tribe by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform and help us spread the word by leaving a five-star rating and review. Until next time, wishing you a life worth living. And remember, you are an empire builder.